You came to hear the word of the Lord. And that is the important part of it, is to hear the word of the Lord. Because nothing I can say or do can give you life, can save you. It's all about Him. Yes? Hallelujah. Did you turn on the camera, Saria? Is, is it on? Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you this morning as we continue studying through the book of Mark. As you remember, before I went on to this trip to the United States, we started in, and what we do is we study through verse by verse, and we are now busy looking at the gospel according to Mark, what he writes down for us. And we've already seen that Mark tells us why Jesus came and who Jesus is. And he is an action-packed book. So many times you will find the word immediately here. It is as if it's a young man. And, and I don't know if you've noticed in the world today that you can't keep people's attention, can you? The attention span of people is so short. If you can't captivate people, their minds go all over the place. And it's as if this man, Mark, writes a book to us which is so action-packed and he wants to keep your attention. He's going to give a lot of actions Jesus do, but he points toward Jesus Christ as the servant king. He's our servant. He came to serve us. So different than today. So many people want to be served, but he came to serve let me tell you, one of the biggest joys you will find in life is to serve others. It's not about everything I can get. It's how much I can give that will satisfy and give you life. Now we saw that the good news, the gospel was presented to us. Mark talks about this. He did not give us the genealogy. He doesn't tell us where Jesus came from in, in, the, in his timeline or everything. He goes right into this. And immediately... He talked to us about Jesus. And we're just going to continue today looking at Mark chapter 1 verse 1, uh, chapter 1 verse 9 to 11. So let's have a look and read what the Word of God says. In Mark 1 verse 9, he says, It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the, in, uh, John in the Jordan. And immediately, you see there's that word, immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. It wasn't a physical dove that came down, it was like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. He says, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It's not the first time that you've heard this, have you? You've read this before. But we will unpack this now. We will take the scripture and see what it talks to us. And we come to the scripture to say, Lord, build our faith. This is why we listen to the word. Let's thank the Lord for his word. Heavenly Father, I pray now, and Lord, I ask your help this morning. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, you've laid a message out of this passage on my heart to preach. And it's not how I'm going to deliver the sermon that matters. It is how the people receive the sermon this morning. I'm just sowing the seed and I pray now, Lord, that it will fall onto good soil and that it will grow and give us fruit, multiple fruit. Father, I thank you that your word will not go out and come back void and it will accomplish everything that it's purposed for. And Father, we thank you that the word is living and powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul, 
and it is the discerner of our hearts. So as I preach this morning, Father, discern our hearts. Speak to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. So I just want to take a few things. I want to talk to you and lift out a few things and see what the Lord wants to speak to us. First of all, we see these words there. He says, in those days it came to pass that Jesus came from Nazareth. How wonderful is it to read that Jesus came? He came to this earth from where? From heaven. From the throne of God. In John chapter 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God, and He was God. And then in verse 14, He says that He came and He lived amongst us. Jesus came. The world don't want to hear this, but we know this. We know that He came. And here, Mark says that He came from Nazareth, which is in Galilee. Now, if you think about this, in Galilee, and a Galilean was seen as uneducated people. They weren't much loved people back in their day. Uneducated. And they were seen as troublemakers, the people of Galilee. These were the cities around the Sea of Galilee and the people who grew up there, the Judeans, the people from Israel, they looked down upon these people. They were captured by the Assyrians and taken away and slowly they mingled with other nations. So now they were living around these cities there. Nazareth was one of the smallest parts of these cities there. And if you would walk in the day and you would talk about a Galilean, people will think uneducated. And here Mark comes out and he says, this Jesus, and he introduced to us the name Jesus. He says, Jesus came from Nazareth, that small little place down there in Galilee. And if you ask people around Jerusalem, they would say, unimportant, uneducated, troublemakers. If the government do something, these were the people who would riot. They would always talk against the governments. That's where Jesus came from. They were looked down upon. So what is the message we learn from this? I often say to people, look, it's not, it doesn't matter where you come from. It matters where you are going. It doesn't matter where you come from. I mean, let's face it. I came from South Africa, a mining community. My dad was a gold miner. I work in the business world. When I tell this story to people, immediately, you see, there's the word of Mark. It feels as if people are down looking upon you. Oh, where's he coming from? From the gold mines. You know, does it care? It doesn't care where you come from. It cares where you are today and where you are going. Where are we going, people? We are going to heaven. So let nobody despise where you come from. We nobody despise who you are. I'm a son and a daughter in the name of Jesus Christ. And here he says to us, he says this Jesus, and he is using the word, the name Jesus, so many times. It's only later on, later on that Peter comes and he introduces Jesus as the Christ, that Mark himself changes the name. Jesus, he says, Jesus came from Nazareth. It is so that these people despised it. We see this in 1 John chapter 1 verse 45. You remember when Philip found Nathanael and he said to him, We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. 
The prophets were prophesying that Jesus will come out of Nazareth. And here Philip came to Nathanael and he says, Nathanael, we find him. This Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And listen, listen now what Nathanael said to him. Nathanael says then in verse 46, he says, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Oh, brother and sister, we can smile this morning. Why? Because we know that something good did come from Nazareth. What came from Nazareth? Our Savior, the Messiah, came from Nazareth. We know, listen, we know He came from heaven. But He was born as a man, and He lived there in Nazareth. His father, not His real father, but His father was a carpenter. He learned to, the skill to be a carpenter. Look down upon the people. Same today. Same today. The world is looking down upon him. Some people say he's a Jew who hang on a tree. They're talking about my Lord. They don't know him like I know him. They don't know him like you know him. Yes, Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip said to him, He said to him, I'm not going to tell you any stories here. Just come and see. Come and see. Brother and sister, the message that you and I carry in the world is not coming out of this mouth of ours. No, no. We say to the world, come and see. Come and see Him. Where do they see Him? Come on, you tell me. They see Him in you. Come and see in my life. I'll introduce you to Jesus Christ. Come and see how I live my life. He made a change in me. Hallelujah. The things I used to do, I do them no more. He made a change. Come and see. Now let me ask you this morning, did something good come out of Nazareth? Yes. Mark is so proud. He says, I'm telling you that in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. He didn't try to hide it. My Lord came from there. And again, like I say, let no one despise you. It doesn't matter what they think about your past. Your past don't care anymore. If you came to Christ and you repented of your sin and He washed it with the blood, you know what it says? That God don't even think of it anymore. He threw it into the sea of unforgetfulness. Or, for, or of forgetfulness. He's forgotten about it. It's so wonderful. You see how rich the Word of God is? I only picked out one passage there. You remember when I said you've heard this so many times? Have you thought about Jesus of Nazareth? Now, we look at the second part now. He came out of Nazareth. And now Mark says to us in verse 9, he says, And he was baptized by John in the Jordan. This is John the Baptist. You remember that man who came and he looked like a prophet? He, he had the clothes on like a prophet, the leather band, and he ate what? Honey and locust. Locust. He was living in the wilderness. And he came out and he started preaching repentance. But you see, some people have got a problem with this. That Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. They've got a problem with this. Why? Because we need to understand what kind of baptism John the Baptist was baptizing with. And what kind of baptism was it? It gives us the answer there in Mark chapter 1 verse 4. He says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching what? A baptism of repentance. That is his baptism. A baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now people say, wait a minute. 
But Jesus couldn't be baptized by him. And you know who had a problem with that as well? John the Baptist himself. Remember when Jesus came to him? He said, oh no, I can't baptize you. I need to be baptized by you. What is the problem here then? You see, John the Baptist, his baptisms of repentance means that you have to demonstrate a recognition of one's sin. A recognition of that. I recognize that I'm a sinner. But remember, he was preaching this to the Jews. And the Jews, look, baptism is not a new thing. This is not where baptism started. Baptism is practiced by all religions. If you go around the world now, they just want to baptize you to become part of them. It's an initiation process for a lot of religions. If you go over to the Roman Catholics, they don't want to have anything to do with you until you get baptized. And that's the same with the Latter-day Reign of Saints. You know, if you baptize, you're initiated with them. You're part of them. This was different. Although, if you were a Jew, you were baptized with this kind of baptism. It is a demonstration and a recognition of one's sin. The second part of his baptism was, it was a desire for spiritual cleansing. Oh, the Jews really was hanged on about the spiritual cleansing. Even the tabernacle was set up like this. They had one place, a bath with water in. What happens? The priest will come and they would wash themselves. They would cleanse them. It was a representation of cleansing. And also his baptism was a commitment to follow God's law. Think of this. This is what he was preaching. The baptism of repentance was a recognition of your sin, spiritual cleansing, and to follow God's law, and then also to wait for the Messiah. Remember, Jesus did not appear on the scene before. John the Baptist came out, and the crowds came to Bethabara. He started preaching to them. He says, you need to repent of your sin. You need to follow the law. You need to look out for what? The Messiah who's coming. And thousands of people came to him. And he was baptizing them. Even the Pharisees came. You remember that part? When the Pharisees came and he saw them, they thought something's going on here. He said to them, you're brutal vipers. You just want to run away from the fire that's coming. You don't come with sincere hearts. You see, so many times people come to church not with sincere hearts. They're just afraid of what God can do to them. I'm only coming to God to church because I fear God, what He's going to do to them. That's what the Pharisees did. But He was baptizing this. Oh, but the next day, how wonderful. He looked upon the crowd as the people came over and He saw one man coming walking towards Him. And what did He say? He said, he said, listen, I'm going to be loud now, my brothers and sisters, and I can. He said, behold the Lamb of God! Hallelujah! Was that too loud? Shall I say it again? Behold the Lamb of God! They were looking so forward for the prophets were preaching about this, and now we see Him. Oh, no, no, listen, listen, if you think I'm overboard... If you think I'm overboard, I don't think so. I think when John saw him, he was preaching about him. The excitement that would have been inside of him. Listen, we're not in a dead religion. We're in a living relationship with the Son of God. That's the way we are. Oh, when he came walking on, 
And he came to me, he says, baptize me. You see what ticked through John the Baptist's mind here? Was these things. Oh no, Lord, I can't do that. Why? Why would he have said that? Because, brothers and sisters, if you think about it, the recognition of sin, he, Jesus Christ, was without sin. Who knows that? So this is why John would have said to him, I can't baptize you. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, he talks all about this. He said that he suffered like we suffered. He's our high priest. That's what that passage says. He suffered like we did, yet without sin. How can he then be baptized by that baptism? Secondly, if you think about it, a desire for spiritual cleansing. Pilate, when he was in front of Pilate, what did Pilate say? I can find no fault. He didn't need to be spiritual cleansed. How can he then be baptized by this? This is what people's got a problem with. And then if you think about this, he, he had to commit to follow God's law. He fulfilled it. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 says, he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Can you see? How wonderful is God's word? Are you excited this morning? How wonderful is his word? And then waiting for the Messiah. But he is the Messiah. The one to come. This is what went through John the Baptist's mind. He goes, but Lord, I can't baptize you. Because you're the fulfillment of this baptism that I'm doing. This is why, brother and sister, when we get baptized, and yes, I'm going to talk about that today. When we get baptized, it's not the same baptism as the baptism of John the Baptist. It's not. Some people will tell you that. They say, oh, now that the Lord saved your soul, it's not complete until you get baptized. No. We don't get baptized and then get washed and spiritually cleansed and all of these things. It happens at the cross. But we get there. Are we following so far? You see, he couldn't do that. But then we, re we pick this up in Matthew 3 verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee and John and the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him. You see, this is what I've been saying. He said, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. You see, all of these things were sitting in John's mind. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. Why? He gives the answer. He tells him, he, he actually tells you and me today why John the Baptist baptized him. He says it right there. He says, permit it to be so, in Matthew 3 verse 15, for this is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So yes, he wasn't baptized because of the things that John preached. He was baptized, why? To fulfill all righteousness. This is so important to understand. He was the fulfillment of all of the things. You see, this is the wonderful thing about the Bible. What John was preaching before, he said, Behold the, son, the Lamb of God. Before that, it was only a shadow. This is now the substance. He came. He came in body and he was fulfilled. All righteousness. Um, he identified in that baptism with man. He identified with us. That's all. He came to be identified with us. And now we identify with Him. Think of that. Selah. Think of that. Christian baptism is the means by which a person makes a public profession of faith and discipleship. 
It's a public profession. That's all it is. When the Lord saves your soul, what happens? He saves you. He forgives you your sin. And if you die, you're going to heaven. Why? Because He saved you. You say to me then this morning, is baptism then still irrelevant? And why? And the answer is yes. Yes, baptism. I still absolutely believe that if the Lord saved your soul, you need to be baptized. But it's not because of the remittance of sin that John the Baptist preached. I think it's clear what I'm saying here this morning. The baptism that Jesus did, He completed that. He fulfilled all righteousness. That's what He did. So why is this then important for us to be baptized? Because Jesus said so. In Matthew 28 verse 19 he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've come commanded you. I'm with you always, even to the end of times. You see, I'm going to say it again. When you get baptized, it is obeying what Jesus Christ said. We're not trying to initiate you into this church. If you are sitting here this morning and say, Preacher, yes, I've been saved. I can tell you the day that the Lord saved me. But you haven't been baptized. That's the next part. But you know what you do when you get baptized. All you're doing is you're professing to the world that you identify with Christ. You identify with Him. This is again, Christian baptism where a person makes that public profession of faith. And of discipleship. So what is baptism then? What is it? I haven't put it on there because it just came to me this morning that I want to add it in. But if you open up your Bible in Romans chapter 6. I want to tell you and show you what you are publicly professing when you are baptized. You see, I've had a man once told me. He said, oh no, when you, when you get saved, as soon as possible you need to go to the water. Which I agree in, in a way, you know, you need to be baptized. And let me just say, I do not preach and believe in baby baptism. Sprinkling, I do not pre preach that as well. I go according to what the word says, by immersion. And here now we find it in Romans chapter 6. Listen now. Remember what I said, Christian baptism is where a person makes a public profession. And this happens after you are born again, not before. This is why baby baptism doesn't work. How can a baby know that I'm going to grow up and going to sin all my life still, and, but I've already been baptized? How can a baby know that? There's no way for that to be known. No, no, you've got to come to a point. Remember what John the Baptist preached. It was a remittance of your sin. You come and you acknowledge your sin. You realize I'm a sinner. That happens today and you come to the cross and he saves you. But a baby can't know that. There's little Michael there at the back. You know, if I baptize him now and sprinkle a few drops of water over him and now he's sealed. No, he's not sealed. Because he's going to grow up. He's going to be a naughty boy. I know if you look at him now, you go, no way, he's such an angel. Woo! He's going to be a naughty boy. And it's going to take a mom and a dad standing in God to lead him in God's principles to keep him on the narrow road. Yes or no? Absolutely. That's why, that's why we preach, mom and dad, raise your children in a godly way. The Bible says in Proverbs, it's a total different message, but let me just say it because my children are here. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the rod don't spare the rod. 
If they throw a tantrum, I still believe, you know, the button's made for a good whack on the bomb. You know, then stand up. Do it right. Says when they're young and you train them in God's ways, what will happen when they're old? They'll stay in those ways. You say, oh, but I know about families where they went off the rails. They'll come back. They'll come back. I talk out of experience, but let, let me not digress, okay? So what are we professing? Romans chapter 6. Bear with me as I read it for you. In Romans chapter 6 verse 1, it says, What shall we then say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the answer of that is, of course, no. Because Paul says, certainly not. Now shall we who died sin live, uh, live in sin? It? Uh, look at verse 3. Or do you not know that as to many of us were baptized in Christ Jesus, were baptized into His death? We were baptized into His death. So what are we professing when we get baptized? The death of Jesus Christ. Number one, it's a funeral. We're laying the old man at rest. It's a funeral. So he says that we were baptized into his death. Therefore, verse 4, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. What is the second thing? We are buried. You tell that old sinful man, you say, you're going into the ground. You are buried. So if you go into the baptism, that's a, that's a funeral. You lay the old man to rest. And now it goes on to say that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also walk in the newness of life. So what is the baptism? What are we professing? We are professing the dead of self, the burial, and here comes the good part, and the resurrection in Jesus Christ. This is good theology. This is good theology. It's not my theology. It's not John Shipman's book 101. No, this is the Word of God. You can't change it. You can only accept it and live by it. That's the problem in the world today. People don't want to live by it. But let me continue. He says it there. That we should walk in the newness of life. So what happens when I come to be baptized? I come and I profess to the world that there came a day when the Lord saved my soul. I'm going to be baptized now. And what happens now? I identify with Jesus Christ and I'm now going to walk in the newness of life. Verse 5 says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we will shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, knowing this, what? What, Paul? That your old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ having been raised from the death, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Now let me just say this. What happens when you got saved? You were born once. You die twice. You die physically and spiritually you're going to be separated from God. But if you are born twice, you only die once. Is that making sense? If you are born naturally, that's why you are still sitting here. You are born once. Everybody are born once in this world. But the second birth is to be born again. What happens then? You only die in this body if He doesn't spare us and take us away in the rapture. 
So here is the thing, brother and sister, be born again so that you can be born twice. And here he talks about all of that. He says, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. So if Christ has been risen from the grave, they can't kill him any longer, anymore. They can't kill him anymore. He's already died. But then he was risen. And now they can't kill him anymore. Guess what happens to you? Oh, they can kill this old body. They can kill this old body. They can come here and capture you and take you to the Mideast and say, you're a Christian, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna behead you. They say, do that. This is going to the ground anyway. This is only a jacket that's standing in front of you. But you can't kill me because I will live with him forever. This is what baptism all means. Born again, baptized. There's only two things that God initiated in the church. What is those two? The table of the Lord. And we all do that, don't we? I don't see people coming and when we put the table of the Lord out and say, because he says, do this in remembrance of me, that people say, oh no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do the Lord's table. Do you see that? No, people take part of that. But once it gets to baptism, oh, now it's a personal matter. Yet those are the two things that the Lord initiated for the church. He says, go and preach the gospel and baptize them. Now, I'm not trying to get... I haven't got a Baptist, Baptist register in this church, okay? I'm just preaching to you. It all ties in with the baptism of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this morning, is baptism still relevant? Yes, it is. It is. And I want to implore you, if you're not baptized, talk to me. I'll talk you through all the passages. It is a public declaration to the world to say that I identify with Christ. That is what it is. Is it still relevant? The answer is yes. Now let's continue on. In Mark chapter 10 verse 1 verse 10. He says, and immediately. So what happened now? He saw in the, the, the first, just before this, let me show you after the immediately before this. And he came to pass in those days that Jesus Christ came from Nazareth and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And now he goes on in the verse and he says, and immediately coming up from the water. Oh, this must have been a beautiful sign, a picture, isn't it? Coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. It was only John and Jesus who saw this. There were people standing around, but for them it must have been a noise. He was witness to that. He was witness to what happened. And it says that the Spirit of God came down like a dove. It's amazing these days that people believe it was an actual dove. It's not. But you see, John couldn't explain it any way else to say what it was like. It didn't come thundering down. It floated down like a dove. But you know what? Why should we get caught up in that, whether it was like a dove or not? It is just important for me to know that the Spirit came down. In the book of Acts, it says in another passage where they were in the upper room, how did the Spirit come upon the people like a dove? No, it was like flames of fire. How wonderful is the Word of God? You see, we can't put God in a box. We try to do that out of our experiences. God, this is where you need to operate in. It doesn't happen that way. 
But let me talk for the next few moments before we finish about this sentence here. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. First of all, we see here the Trinity of God. Who believes in the Trinity? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I believe that that's what I preach. It's three persons in one. Each one is a distinct person. And here we see it. We see Jesus as the Son of the Father. He says, My beloved Son, there was a Father in heaven who said these words. To His Son who was on the earth. He's, it's the Father. We see Jesus Christ. We also see the Holy Spirit because He descended like a dove and we see the Father, the voice from heaven. So the Bible doesn't use the word Trinity. If you search in the Bible and you try to explain it to people, you will find no word in the Bible as the word Trinity. But we have here the declaration of the Trinity of God. There's a Father, there's a Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all three are one. You know, I know some people try to explain it like an egg, which has got a crust on the side, you've got the yellow and the yolk. I don't even go there, because that is bringing God down to our level, try to understand Him. One day you and I will be in heaven and we'll see the fullness thereof. How wonderful is that going to be? The second thing about this statement, which I really love. You are my beloved son, beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. This talks about our relationship with God and with each other. It's all summed up in this declaration. Think about this. I'm going to unpack this for you. Our relationship with God is in this passage. Our relationship with one another is in this statement. You say, show it to me. Let me do. This is what mankind are seeking after. Everyone in this place is seeking after three basic things. One, it is, it is look how God do. He, he affirms his son by saying the following. He says, I claim you as my own. He says, you are my son. You know what the father did? He claimed Jesus Christ as his own. Secondly, he said to him, I love you. He says, you are my beloved son. And then thirdly, he says, I'm proud of you. He says, I'm well pleased. Can you see the things? He claimed him. He said, you are my son. He says, I love you. He's my beloved son. And then he says, I'm proud of you. I'm well pleased of what you do. These three things are the things that you and I said after. In any relationship, in a relationship with God, in a relationship with husband and wife, children and their parents, even in your workplace with your boss and everything, these are the three basic things that humankind, mankind is looking after. Why? Because it shows us that you are belonged, you want to be loved, and you want to be praised. Isn't that right? That's the three things your children will thrive under. If you raise your children and you make them feel belonged, they thrive under that. If you raise your children and you show them the love that a father and mother can give them, they feel loved and belonged. And they want to be praised. The three basic things in a relationship. It's all sitting for us right there. The father showed it to us in this passage. When his son was upon the earth, he claimed him. He showed him he loves him and then he says... I'm praising you. You are well received. Look at this. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. What is the opposite of being 
What is the opposite of this? What is the opposite of being belonged and to be loved and to be praised? It's to be an orphan, isn't it? If you think about an orphan today, there's nobody who claims them. They are lost. If you think about an orphan today, they are not many times not loved. If you think about an orphan, they not a lot of times not praised. But you see, the Bible says it to us in John 14, verse 16, where Jesus turned to his disciples. He says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may, may abide with you forever. I love that verse. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because neither sees Him nor it knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be with you. And listen to this now. He says in verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. When we started off preaching today, what did Mark say? Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. Here Jesus said to you and me, He came already. He went away, but not to stay. He's coming back again. And he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. For you today, sitting in this church, know this, that he claims you. You are his child. And you know what? He loves you. Because he gave his life for you. And this is the thing. He says to you and to me this morning, he praises you. He says, in whom I am well pleased. Now, we don't become little messiahs, okay? This is not that message. We never become little messiahs. We are adopted children of God. How wonderful is that? The three things for us. Look at how Paul puts it. He says in Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, But when the fullness of time have come, God sent forth His Son. He came, born of a woman. He came, born under the laws. He came, I want to emphasize that, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Remember again when I showed you the baptism of John, those things, and Jesus came, He says, I'm baptized to fulfill righteousness. There we find the passage for that again. And then He says there, the adoption of sons. You see, we are not orphans. No, I'm an adopted son. I belong, I'm loved, and I'm praised by God. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of His Son into your hearts. That shows His love. So we belong. He sends His spirit into your hearts. That, that is the ultimate sign of His love. You say, how can you prove that is the love of God? He said to His disciples, I must go. I must die. So that who can come? So I can send you the Holy Spirit. That's an act of love. Can you see that? And then finally, if you can call it your mom there. And finally, he says, crying out, Abba, Father. Verse 7, therefore you are no longer a slave but a son. You're no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. Did you think that that passage could mean so much? Will that change your mind now when you read that again? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It claims, it laughs, and it praises. Then finally this morning, that also, this passage of Jesus' baptism, it also empowered Jesus for the ministry. Because right after that, he was led away into the wilderness 
and we're going to look a little bit about that in next week. He was led away into the wilderness to be tempted. To be tempted. But here is the thing. We also need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We need that. Let me say it this morning. I don't want to wake up tomorrow morning without the Holy Spirit. I didn't want to go on this trip without the Holy Spirit. Wherever I go, I want the Holy Spirit to be right there with me, in me. Why? Because He's the Parakletos. He's the one who comes alongside me and helps me. Do you believe that people today say no to an helper? Oh, let me help you then. No, 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 I can do it on my own. Stay away, stay away. Stand there. Stand there. I'll do it. That's how we are. Parakletos. We find a lot of English words for that, don't we? Parachute. You remember the word parachute? What does it mean? Para. He's come alongside and shoot. I'm going to have a shoot that floats me down to the earth so that you don't get hurt. Paramedic. What is a paramedic? Para is again that Greek word which means I come alongside you. And medic. I'm going to give you medical attention. Paramedic. For us, parakletos. That's the Holy Spirit. Comes alongside you and I'm going to give you power and strength to help you through your day. Have we learned so much today? Something today? The baptism of Jesus Christ. Is our baptism still relevant? Yes, it is. I've been baptized. I've identified with Christ. Physically been baptized. But brother and sister, baptism is not your saving place. It's not where you repent. You do that at the cross. And when you do it at the cross, you are saved. Remember the three that hang on the cross? You remember them? One was cursing. What did the, the second man say? He said, stop cursing him. He's talking the truth. This is my paraphrase, by the way. He's talking the truth. He says, he did nothing wrong. We did. We, we deserve to hang here. And what did Jesus say to me? He turned to Jesus and said, think of me when you're in paradise. And Jesus said to him, you will be with me in paradise. Did that man have an opportunity to go to be baptized? No, he was hanging there. He was minutes away from death. So yes, there is opportunities, you know, when the Lord, but His ways is not our ways. Praise the Lord. That's His word for this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your word. I thank You, Lord, that You spoke to all of our hearts. Thank You, Lord, that we can have a deeper understanding of this baptism of John. And Father, when You came and You said it Yourself, this is to fulfill all righteousness. That's why You were baptized. To be identified with us. Father, we thank you this morning that now the baptism is a burial. The old man, identification with you. First you were identified with us, now we identify with you. Father, we pray this morning, we thank you for these words that came from heaven, from the Father. He says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And thank you, Lord, that when you look upon every person sitting in this building, and you look upon us, Father, you claim us as your children. You said that.